Alright guys, I'm here today with Simon Crow. Simon runs a specialist coaching and consultancy practice focused on transformational leadership and empowerment. He has lived and traveled around the world, creating partnerships with influential artists, executives, entrepreneurs, leaders and humanitarians, developing and delivering inspiring projects that positively impact the world. Simon has helped clients create multi-million pound investments from nothing. He has coached CEOs to build thriving companies, philanthropists to set up charities, couples to conceive and lovers to start fantastic relationships. His curiosity has led him to many interesting parts of the world. He has lived and worked in Europe, Africa, India and the US and has worked with clients as far afield as Russia, New Zealand, Hungary and Singapore. He recently returned from Liberia in West Africa, where he shared the stage with leaders like Rich Litvin, Sprite Loriano and Kimi Weeks at an empowerment event for 400 teachers. He is now based in London with his two greatest teachers, his American wife Stacy and teenage daughter India. Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you. That sounded like a great introduction. <laughs> I'd, like to meet that. I'd like to meet that person. I bet. And I'm sure that many in the audience would also love to meet that person. And that is why we are all grateful to have you with us today, Simon. So I am familiar with some of the projects that you're involved in right now. And I know that men who feel stuck in their job or in life in general will be inspired to take action after hearing about the wonderful things that you're doing. But before we dive into your work, please take a minute and fill in the gaps from that intro and tell us, how did you get started on your journey? So I can tell you how I got started on my journey into coaching, because it marked a big turning point for me. So this was about 11 years ago. In 2006, I was working, I was managing a team of 12, working for a very large public sector body in London. And I remember one day sitting in my office, looking out across the car park, and it was a grey evening. And I remember, I remember it really clearly. And I just remember thinking to myself, that I was really stuck. I didn't enjoy my job any longer. I didn't feel that I really added anything. I'd created this really fantastic team and they were so self-sufficient that I really just didn't see that I was adding any value. And I began to lose a sense of what my own self-worth was. And the worst thing was I didn't, I just couldn't imagine anybody else wanting to employ me. And I was stuck. It felt really, really horrible to go there each day and come home each evening and just feel powerless to change it. And somebody sent an email around, one of the people working in learning and development, asking if anybody in the staff wanted to work with a coach. And I just immediately hit reply hmm. and worked for three months with a lady called Jane, who I'm still very good friends with. And within those three months, I'd left the organization which I'd been working for for eight, eight years. And it was such an incredible transformation that I started a new job working at the University of London, and it was very exciting to be, to be doing a consultancy role. But what I really wanted to do was do for other people what Jane had done for me. And so I trained as a coach, and a few short months later, I left a job that I'd only been in for about six months, and I started my coaching journey. Okay, so it's been more than 10 years now, right? Yeah, so I've been coaching now for, yeah, in March it was 11 years. And in that time, I've really developed as a coach. I found that in that time that I've had to do other jobs alongside my coaching. I've done a lot of training, corporate training, 
going into organizations and, and helping develop their internal coaching capacity. I've trained coaches all over the world. Also, I've trained 300 plus coaches around the world. Yeah, and I've done, it's really interesting, I've done, often have done that through teleconference. So I've trained coaches in Haiti, in India, in South Africa, in the States also. I really love the global nature of the work that I do. What was really important, I think, from the work that I did with, with Jane is, yes, it, it introduced me into a new career. It's something that, I, that I've made my life's work now. But what I really understood, I think, from working with her is that I'm the person who creates my own life. If you like, the decisions that I make, the choices that I make are what creates my life. And until that moment, I'd been, I think, living from a real kind of victim mindset that everything happened to me. And just by working with Jane for a few short weeks, I realized that actually I was very powerful and I could create whatever it is that I wanted. And that has really stood me in great stead all of these years and has resulted in me doing some incredible things, things that, that I guess I always knew I was capable of doing, but had never, I'd never put two and two together. I don't think I'd ever made the, you know, made the connection between the things that I dreamt of doing and actually being able to, to make those a reality. That is powerful. Would you mind sharing some of the beliefs that were limiting you before you started working with your coach? Some of my limiting beliefs? Well, it's funny, I don't really want to start thinking about my limiting beliefs. I've, I've, worked, I've, I've worked really, really hard to overcome them. But I, I will tell you something. She asked me, because our first session was like a goal-setting session where we sat and talked about you know, what, it, what it is that I'd like to create in the world. And she said to me, Simon, so what is it you would really like? And we spoke for about two hours in that first session. And at the end of it, she said to me, can I just play something back to you, something I've noticed in our conversation? And I said, yeah. And she said, I asked you at the beginning of this conversation what it is that you wanted. And you've just spent about two hours telling me all the things that you don't want. Hmm. And I thought, I mean, I thought at that moment she had some magical powers. All she'd done was listen. But she, but it absolutely it was like a, like a slap in the face that, you know, she'd asked me what I wanted. And all I, could, all I could say was, well, I don't want this and I don't want that. And I hate that. And this is, you know, this is awful. And I don't want any more of this. And just to have that played back to me, how my whole life was set up from the perspective of what I wanted to avoid rather than what I wanted to create. That was such a significant insight for me that I think I was able to, to recreate my life from that moment. Yeah, definitely. It's a very different place to come from, mm. for sure. Mm. And I think, you know, what was interesting for me, I guess, is because I couldn't I couldn't hear that for myself, and that's what really showed to me the value of, of working with a coach, just having somebody who listens and reflects back courageously, I suppose, what it is that they're noticing. Hmm. Why do you think this is true, Simon? Why do I think what? Help me out. What exactly? This hidden power of the coach that sometimes they, they simply listen and it's enough. And, and maybe they say one sentence after two hours and it's enough to change your entire world. Why do you think this is true? Well, I know from now, having coached myself for about the last 11 years, that often the less that we add as a coach, so the less that we bring of our own stuff, the more powerful the session can be. What I mean by that is just listening and just playing back what you've heard, not trying to embellish or to not trying to, to create meaning where there isn't meaning, but just giving somebody the opportunity to, to hear back how it is that they see their life, what's their current reality, what are they currently experiencing, 
because I believe you know we we make our world, we create our world through the mindsets that we hold, the things, the beliefs that we have, and if you just it just feels normal, doesn't it? But if someone just reflects back to you what it is they're hearing, and you can hear it, so to me it's just just a very powerful process, just reflecting back, and, and as I said, not trying to add anything, not trying to be this great kind of guru or, or mentor or somebody who knows how to live life, but really just being present for someone, listening really deeply, and just reflecting back simply what it is that you're hearing. To me, it's, it's a very, very powerful piece of coaching. Absolutely. So it's about holding space for your client and being present and really listening to the words your client is saying because his words describe the way he sees his world. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I have a set of mindsets that I use every time I sit down to coach. I sit down with a list of, of I guess, mindsets or, or thinking habits or context that I want to bring into the session. And I, you know, I still do this and I read these before the session. I have them with me. And it's just a reminder, not of what to do, but how to be. And one of them is, I am loving presence and deep listening. That's, if you like, the place that I like to come from when I'm coaching. I'm loving presence and deep listening. I love that. It's as simple as that. You know, there's nothing about techniques or, you know, <laughs> it's about being honest and, and truthful and, and Another one that I have is that I am time and space. So by slowing down, letting the person, giving the person time to reflect and to think and the space to do so because we live such busy lives often, very frenetic existence. Just listening to our own thoughts doesn't happen very often. So they're two of my, I guess, some two of the, the compasses I use in my coaching conversations. We're learning a lot here. Simon, please give us a picture about your work about the people you're coaching, about their struggles, their challenges, and also about their accomplishments. Obviously, I don't want to talk about specific clients because of confidentiality. A lot of the people that I work with are creating things in the world which are quite unique. And what I mean by that is that they can sometimes be identified just by the kind of unique lives that they're living. So what I'll try and do is just sort of speak generically about the kinds of work that I do with people and, and how I look to support and serve those people. That's great. Yeah. What I've noticed is that people, however successful they are, however able they've been to create a career for themselves, you know, whatever level they're working at in an organization or if they're an entrepreneur, what they've managed to create for themselves, people reach a point in their, in their journey where they can't move any further forward. And it's because what they're doing was fantastic for getting them to where they are, but it's, it's what's stopping them from getting to where they want to be. I mean, I'll use an example of, of my own personal experience. Just recently, three or four months ago, I signed up with a new coach. And the reason I did that was because I love coaching. I love working with powerful people. But I'd got to the point where it felt like I was being squeezed up against some kind of a ceiling and, and the mental picture I have is you imagine someone in an upturned boat yeah. and I'm sure you've seen it in a, in a disaster yeah. movie and the level of the water is rising and the person's face is turning sideways and their cheek is pressed up against the, the bottom of the boat just trying to get those last few drops of oxygen that's what it felt like to me it felt to me that I I just couldn't do any more what I needed to do was do differently, not do the same and more, but actually start changing the way I was doing things. 
And so by working with a coach, I was able to get just to see where, where I needed to refocus my efforts. But most importantly, how I needed to start thinking differently. So what were the thinking habits? What were the belief systems that I was using to create my reality? And that's what I really do with the clients that I work with. So I have people have, who have successful careers who are looking perhaps to change direction or they want to create something new in the world. Perhaps they have a, a passion project that they'd like to get involved in. And what I do is to help them see how they currently think about the world, the models that they're currently applying, where that's serving them and where it's holding them back. And then where it's holding them back, we look at how we can create new thoughts or belief systems or thinking habits so that they're able to create something which is new unique, original. What I love to do with my clients is to help them to think really big. And what I mean by that is often I might be in a conversation about what someone wants to create and they'll tell me. And a question that I love to ask is, well, if that was just stage one, that was just the first step, what would be possible from there? And often people suddenly realize that their ambition is really just to to create harmony for themselves, to create a life of, of balance, you know, to remove some of the difficulties or pinch points that they currently experience in their lives. But what I love to ask them is, well, if from that point, once you created that for yourself, what would be possible then? And I may even repeat the question, you know, and if you manage to create that, what would be possible then? Because if you can get people focusing on the things which are really inspiring, the energy that's created through an inspiring vision that people feel really passionate about, is energy which helps them get over those obstacles. You know, when, they, when we find ourselves up against things which are challenging and we feel like turning back. Because, you know, the work that I do can be quite challenging. People are being asked to, to make changes in their lives and, and, and all kinds of fears come up. So if you can get someone really focused on what it is that they'd absolutely love to create in the world, if anything was possible, I take them into this fantasy world. I often, you know, often use those words. Let's go into a fantasy world where anything is possible. What could you create then? There is just so much more energy and juice, if you like, to create with. And I don't mean that the person then has to step into that immediately. But if you can use that energy, that desire, that passion to help them take really small steps initially, but to use, I said, use the passion to overcome some of the inertia, some of the fears, some of the things that hold people back, then we can start to create something really magical. What I'm hearing is that you create a secure space for your clients where anything's possible and they can dream bigger than they've ever done before. And then you help them take the tiniest steps towards their vision. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, dream really big and then take tiny steps. All right. Simon, you did mention that you've started working with a new coach recently. I would like to touch upon this subject because I often hear people asking, well, if you are a coach or a therapist, why would you need help? Why would you need a coach or a therapist? Mm. It's a great question and one I'll answer in two ways. One of them is I love coaching. And so it's a wonderful experience to be, or a wonderful relationship to be involved in. But there's also something about if I'm asking people to work with me and to invest you know, it can be a considerable amount of money to do that. Sure. I really want to be coming from a place of authenticity where I believe 100% in what it is that I'm offering. 
And if I don't believe it enough to invest in my own coaching, then how can I ask somebody authentically mm-hmm. and with integrity to invest in me to be their coach? Yeah. So that, that's something which is really important there. Something about, I, you know, I love the process and I learn so much. And also the fact that, you know, I'm asking people to do, well, I, I always say I'd never ask a client, never ask a creative partner to do anything that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. And so for me, spending a sum of money on a coach which feels uncomfortable enables me to coach somebody through that same process, you know, where they feel to themselves that they are excited about what it is that we create, but perhaps the fees or the level of commitment feels challenging. Well, I can, you know, with complete authenticity say, I know what that feels like. And I also know how important it is to step through our fears because of what it enables us to create. And the second way that I'd answer that question is you said, why would somebody who's a coach need a coach? And I think the the key word there is need. Coaching really is, is most effective when it's a choice. If it's something which people need, it feels to me like there is some dependency there. And I think it's, that it's really important that, that any coaching relationship is seen as, a, as an equal relationship, a partnership. That's what I like to call my, my coaching clients. I, I like to call them creative partners because we work in partnership. And to be a partner, we have to be coming at this as equals. If one of the parties is in need, then to me that doesn't feel like there's the right degree of balance there. So what I like to do is to work with people who choose coaching because they want to develop in some way, they want to grow in some way, they want to create their lives differently, but it's not about need. That's a powerful distinction. Mm. And what happens if your client is a high achiever? I know that you, you've worked with high performers, high achievers, people who maybe are more successful than you are. How does that impact you in your work? It's a really good question because I just started in the last week with a new creative partner who, yeah, who's, who, if you look at it in you know, monetary terms, has certainly achieved things that I've never achieved. I've worked in the past with somebody who has now created a $100 million investment portfolio. That's not something I've ever done personally. And it always brings up this sense of, oh, no, you know, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. But that's the great thing, isn't it? It just goes back to our original conversation is that the less that you bring of your own into the coaching conversation, the better. (laughs) Yeah. So often it's much more powerful. So I can go into coaching conversation and it's not like I'm now going to show you how to, to create a million dollar client. You know, let me work with you in understanding your own world. Let me work with you in helping you to see where it is that you're holding yourself back. Let me work with you in seeing where you need to step up more fully, because I trust that you have the resources and knowledge and and ability and the potential to create whatever it is that you want. My job is to take you on that journey and, and be relentless in supporting you on creating that vision. So what I have to do is feel that fear, that natural emotion that comes up that, how, you know, who am I? I? I'm not worthy. Recognize it because I think we all have different emotions which will, will come up and then put it to one side and just remember that my role in this is not to tell someone how to create a million dollar client, but to coach them in creating a million dollar client for themselves. Yeah. So you don't have to be, you don't have to show up as the expert. No, you don't have to show up as the expert. I think you have to show up in all the ways that I've just described. 
you know, yeah. about being loving presence and deep listening, about being time and space, about being the truth, about being brave, you know, about not asking for permission, about creating context and clarity and holding and creating a, a safe and enlivening space in which the person can really go into parts of their, their life, their thinking that they've never explored before. So this is a very intimate relationship between a coach and his clients. Yeah, so I work with, with my creative partners normally for 12 months or so, and it's about creating that level of trust, trust to go to places and have conversations that they've never had with anybody before. It could be some, you know, it can be quite daunting sometimes to talk about things that we've never said to another living soul. But in saying it, It's so liberating because, you know, what I, one of the things that I've learned about fear is the only way through fear is to face it. And often just saying things, just admitting to things, just being present to our own truth can be really scary. But if you can create a relationship with, you know, between the coach and coachee, that it has that deep level of trust that the person feels able to, to explore anything which is true for them without fear of judgment without somebody trying to limit them through their own experience. To me, it's a wonderfully powerful and deep transformational space that you can create. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Simon, I would like to dive in now in other aspects of your work as well. I know that you recently returned from Liberia and there you were involved in an education project. Please share some of those details with us. Of course. When you were reading out my profile, you talked about me having recently returned from yeah. Liberia. That's absolutely true. But I was, I've just returned from a trip actually this January where I took a group of leaders out to Liberia. So I created a, a leadership coaching intensive actually out in Liberia where I took coaches and leaders from around the world and created an itinerary of, of activities where we came from a, a place of service and we worked with community groups and charitable organizations, educational funds, empowerment groups, and we shared with them our gifts, our knowledge, our skills in looking at ways that we could empower them. So that's a, a project and I'm running another of these in March 2018 where I'm looking to take another group out there. So in a sense, I've, I've gone from Well, I'm, you know, I'm now that was part of my vision is to actually start taking people out to West Africa so they, they can experience the incredible opportunity for personal growth as leaders, but to look at ways that they can serve deeply, empowering the people of Liberia hmm. to start to recreate the country for themselves. It's a really beautiful country and the people of Liberia are incredibly positive, wonderful, loving people. But they, because of the, the history over the last, 20 or 30 years, they're in a very difficult space in terms of their own self-esteem, their own ability to create for themselves. And so what I look to do is to take people out there who can not simply inspire, but look for ways that we can empower the people that we work with. So it's not an aid project. I have a quite a, I have quite a strong distinction between aid and sort of transformational empowerment. We're not going out there to give resources. We're going out there to help people to be more resourceful which means to me how they can reapply the resources that they already have. And sometimes people don't recognize where those are. That's part of my work out in Liberia. I also sponsor an 18-year-old girl out there called Nikki, who I've, been, who I've known now for a couple of years, and I've been helping her through school. 
and just recently, just before Christmas, I helped to set up a business. So she now sells secondhand clothes in a market store that she actually had built herself out of the profits she made from her business. And it was wonderful to go out there in January and meet up with her and her mother again. Because I have this belief that rather than me sending her money for school each you know, each semester, it was much more empowering to help her to find a way of creating that money for herself. So I do still send her small amounts of money, but she's able to, to pay well over half of her own school fees. Yeah. And why I find that really exciting is that this hmm. person no longer has to, you know, she's, so in my mind, whenever she needed to pay her school fees, the only option that she had was to ring me up and ask me if I could send her money. And that must be so disempowering and so, I don't know, disheartening you having to ask somebody every time you want something the only thing you can do is to ask someone to give you some charity and you don't know if they're going to say yes you don't know if you're going to say no and you imagine living in that state completely disempowered so by challenging her to set up a business and i got her to do a basic business plan and we talked about what she needed to invest to now be running a business where she is able to to save money to put something towards their own school fees. It's a totally different way of seeing the world. And that leads me to the other project that I'm working on in Liberia, where I'm working with a community in building a school. And I make a very big distinction that I'm not building a school because it never, it's never my school. It will never be my school. It always stays within the community. And what I'm doing is I'm supporting them through some coaching, through some leadership work. Yes, and I'm going to be helping them to raise the funds but I've just got them to submit their sustainability plan. So what we're going to be doing is the community have donated 50 acres of land on which the school will be built. But we're also going to start up an agricultural program, which over the next two or three years will be able to support the school. So people from the community will learn, you know, relearn the agricultural skills they need in order to grow the food crops. Some of those food crops will be used to feed the village, to feed the, the children at the school, because many of these kids are orphans. And there will be surplus to sell, which will be used for the upper school and to pay the teachers, etc. And that's, that's my passion project. And what I love about that project, and it, again, it ties everything that we've talked about together a couple of years ago, I was in, in conversation with a friend of mine, Emmanuel, who I met out in Liberia in 2014. And he was asking me for some money to help him through his, his studies. And it often happens. He's got three children. He just lost his job because of Ebola. And I said to him that I didn't, didn't believe in just sending money to people because it kept them in that poverty trap. And I said, but what could you do to support yourself? And he said, well, I want to set up a, a business using a motorbike as a taxi. And so I raised some money and helped him to buy a motorbike to run as a taxi so he could feed his family. But in the, in, you know, and that was great. But in the interaction, I said to him, Emmanuel, what's your really, really big dream? And he sent me through a picture. This is on Facebook. He sent me through a picture of a school that he wanted to build. And I said, that's what you and I are going to build. And so we spent a lot of time talking about the vision, talking about who it was going to serve. I've written imaginary letters to school. I've thought about conversations with community leaders. You know, I really believe in the power of creating a visceral vision. Vision. So this is something that I can feel, not just read about, but I actually can feel it in a visceral, visceral way. And I'm, I don't have the money to build a school. I've never done anything like this before. But I just believe that if I can create powerful enough vision and then enlist enough people into that vision, then we can create anything. That's the message that I live and that's the message that I want to bring to all of my 
creative partners, potential clients, just anybody I meet in the street. I had a conversation with somebody in a restaurant yesterday and sent her off. She told me she wants to open a restaurant. And I said, well, what's your really big dream? And she said, well, when I'm about 50, I want to open a hotel in Madagascar, which gives back to the local people. And I said, well, why do you want to wait until you're 50? She said, well, because someone told me I had to create a business and then sell it and then I'll have the money. Hmm. And I said, well, why not just create what it is that you really want now? And she said, I don't know how. And I said, well, the first step is just to create that vision. This is the place that I live from. This is how I... I choose to create my life. And uh, just hearing my words, I compare that to how I described my journey, as you said, starting sitting on that in that office, looking across the car park, feeling totally and utterly disempowered. It's just a shift in mindset. It's just really seeing the same world through different beliefs and creating the world through a different set of, yeah, different mindset. Wonderful projects you're working on in Liberia, and I love to hear you speak about them. It's very inspiring for me, and I'm sure it's very inspiring for the audience as well. Thank you. So I'll tell you a little bit about, I guess, the work that I do. Yes, so I have created partnerships on a one-to-one basis. I am just in the process of launching an apprenticeship program for coaches who are in the in the early stages of their of their coaching practice so the fir- so, the first years first years you know there are people who are who are working with clients have done some coaching and what i want to do is to share with them some of the knowledge and expertise that i've gleaned over the years so that they can i guess accelerate their learning but i i really phrase it in terms of i want to work with people to support them in creating the kind of impact that they want to create to earn the kind of money that they want to earn, to enable themselves you know, to support themselves in doing that, to support their families in doing that, and to, to meet their financial aspirations. But what's really important is this is by being more of who they are. So I don't have a curriculum. I'm not taking people on, a, if you like, a, a step-by-step program on how to create a, a successful coaching practice. Yeah. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm bringing, yes, I bring all of the knowledge and all of the, the experience that I have and bring that to bear. But what I'm really interested in doing is drawing out of each of the people on the program what's unique about them, what's their vision, who are they, you know, who do they want to create with, what is it that they want to create which is unique and special in the world for them. So it's a six-month program working with no more than six apprentices, and we're going to be launching that at the end of this month. And there's still a couple of spaces that I'm looking to fill. So if people are interested, okay. may I'd love to, to talk to people about that. And I'm, as I said to, to you, I'm planning another excursion out to Liberia in March 2018. Again, a really incredible opportunity for people to develop their leadership skills in real world situations. You know, it's a, it's a coaching program. We do a lot of group coaching, one-to-one coaching during the, the 10 days that we're there. But I take people into situations and ask them to take the lead so we might be running a workshop with a community group out in a, in a rural village in, in west africa you know and that's quite challenging and i say to someone so i'd like you to take the lead here but they know that they've got the support of the rest of the team they know that they've got they've got this you know the support of my my coaching and mentoring skills so it's looking at ways that you, we can put people in situations in which they learn stuff about themselves that they couldn't learn anywhere else in any other context and then drawing on the learnings from that to help them to develop as, as leaders. And while we're doing that, we're making a really significant and serious impact on the lives of people in West Africa. So that's, that's a real passion that I have. 
my fees range between six and thirty-six thousand pounds, depending if I'm working one-to-one or if I'm working with somebody in a group program, whether it's part of my intensives in the UK or out in Liberia. And also, obviously, it depends on the ongoing nature, how long we're working together. I just I like to tell people up front what it is that I what my fee range is, because as I said, you know, one of my coaching habits or my thinking habits around coaching is being the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so I always start by letting people know exactly how it is that I work, because what I want to do is to coach in a very clean space. And I find that by being very upfront with what it is that I charge, the kind of commitment that I'm looking for from the people that I work with, then we can have a conversation which is unlike any other conversation that they possibly ever had. Absolutely. And the people know exactly the commitment they have to, they have to put in this project. Totally. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, Simon. And now, as we are reaching the final part of the show, I want to ask you a few personal questions that will give the audience invaluable pieces of wisdom that will help them on their journey. So, Simon, are you ready for the fire round? Sure. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> All right. Here's the first question. If you were to recommend one book that every man must read, what would it be and why? So the book I'd recommend is the book that I've just finished and I immediately started rereading it. It's got quite a long title. It's called How to Solve All Your Money Problems Forever. And it's by a guy called Victor Bock, B-O-C. And what I love about this book is, yes, it's focused around money, but it's actually about creating a positive flow of whatever it is that you want to create in your life. And it really focuses on the power of thinking habits, of mindsets, and how we create a different way of thinking. A lot of work around affirmations, which is really important. A lot of letting go of beliefs which keep money from us but also looking at the beliefs that draw money to us. He talks about the two-pronged attack. And I've read it, and I'm rereading it. I've recommended it to all of my clients and my friends, because it's nothing new. It's nothing I've never read before. But it's just written in such a simple, compelling way. And I'm really seeing for the first time, or perhaps just say seeing in in a deeper way, how we program our minds. I read somewhere that if you're not programming your mind, somebody else is. I really want to encourage people to choose the thoughts with, you know, with which they create their life. And so they choose how they're programming their own minds. That's definitely one for my list. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Simon. Mm. Okay, before we dive into the next question, I want to briefly touch upon the nice guy syndrome, a concept introduced by Dr. Robert Glover in his best-selling book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. The syndrome represents a belief that if nice guys are good, they will be accepted, loved, and have their needs met. Typical behaviors include looking after others and not themselves, giving to get, avoiding conflicts, hiding mistakes, seeking approval, and pleasing people, especially the women in their lives. When these behaviors backfire, and this tends to happen more often than not, these men become extremely frustrated. And the question is, where should we draw the line between being a macho jerk and the so-called nice guy? <laughs> That's such a, a loaded question. <laughs> First of all, I don't like labels. So I don't like Mr. Light Guy. I don't like macho mm. jerk. I think mm. that people have to, you know, they have to find their own place in this world. One thing that I'm really clear on is about the importance of structure. What I mean by that is 
if we believe that by being free-flowing, by being, you know, always saying yes, always be, always obliging, because what we believe, as you just read out, we believe that that's going to that's going to give us results that we desire. It yeah. can have the opposite impact. And what I've noticed, and what I've learned, and what I practice in my own business is, if I can create a strong container, so I'm very clear on when I start coaching, when I stop coaching, the days that I coach on, the hours that I coach, the people I coach with, what I charge. You know, by being really, really clear on this and having the courage and the conviction to stick to it. People respond in a very different way. So you know, you extrapolated that into all different areas of your life, and I can see, you know, I can see the truth in what you've just said. But I, I think that what the most important thing is to start from a place of structure, mm. being really clear where your boundaries are. You know, what's a yes and what's a no for you, and then having the the courage, the conviction to stand by those boundaries, because when we step over them. Because we believe it's going to give us the outcome we're looking for, it can very often have the opposite effect. I like that. <laughs> I like it a lot.、Mm. And this is the last one, Simon. May I ask you to share a piece of advice that your father never got to tell you, or he didn't know about being a man in today's world? I'm talking about information or advice that would have changed everything in your adult life. One that you would be sure to share with the future generation. Again, that's quite a. A loaded question because I have a lot of respect for my father and recognise that my father grew up. You know, I'm in my fifties, in his eighties now. So what was relevant to him is not necessarily relevant to the way that I create my own life. I guess for him, his model of the world is: if you work hard and make sacrifices, then if you like, the world will reward you. And I think that what I've noticed is it's not necessarily about working hard; it's about having the courage to make the decisions by which we create our lives. And that can sometimes feel really hard and take and can take real courage. But to me, I don't believe that we live in a linear world any longer. I don't believe that everything is transactional. So if I do this, then this is what I get as a reward. What I believe is we we live in a transformational world where I can create something just by having the audacity to believe it can be true, and then really stepping into that. And I understand how we can create through our energy, through our thinking, through our words, through our congruence. If you like, we just talked about this earlier about about having structure. You know, the congruence between thought, feeling, and action to me are ways that we. Can create incredible results, and I don't think that the world that my father grew up in would really have been able to to understand or articulate that in the same way. So I prefer to to think rather than you know what didn't he tell me, what didn't he share with me. I much prefer to think about well, what is it that I've understood about the world which enables me to live a life which is more true for me, which is something which is much more congruent with the choices that I'm making. That is a powerful distinction, indeed. It certainly brings a different perspective on the matter. And you are right. This is not about criticizing our fathers. This is about acknowledging generational differences. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure that people knew how to contact me if they want to reach out. Yeah, exactly. So please share with us, Simon. How can people get in touch? Where can they find you? So my website is. Very simple. www.simoncrow.com. Crow is spelt with an e. 
The website I have, which is all about my work in Liberia, is called thebigidea.space, S-P-A-C-E. And my email address, if anybody wants to contact me directly, is mail, M-A-I-L, at simoncrow.com. Or you can visit my website and there's a link there to contact. Okay. Simon, I want to thank you again for joining us today. And I hope to see you again on the Men's Journey podcast in the future. Thank you, Ken. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. <laughs> Fantastic. Guys, till next time. Take care. <laughs>